I'm glad you're with us this morning. We're continuing a series called The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. It has sort of had a cowboy theme. So I thought this morning we would begin with a quick quiz on famous cowboy duos. Are you guys ready for this? You're just going to shout out. Is everybody awake? Are you awake out there? Why, can we turn on the lights so I can see people so they have to make eye contact? They're going to go to sleep on me. There we go. Famous cowboy duos. Here we go. The first one up is... The Lone Ranger and, no, not Silver, Tonto. Who said Silver? That is Silver right there in Tonto. All right, let's do the next one. The next one is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Absolutely. All right, after that, let's go. Here we go. I don't know if mine's, Little Joe and Hoss. We are going back a ways if you do not know Little Joe and Haas from Bonanza. All right, let's do the next one. Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith is correct. It's easy, they're cowboy duo, get it? I would have also accepted Michael Irvin, but okay. Here we go, we got a couple more. Wild Bill Hickok and Calamity Jane. I heard it over here, Calamity Jane, that's right. Uh, I don't even know what order these are in. So Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. Absolutely classic duo. And what else do we got? Buffalo Bill and Annie Oakley. Annie Oakley is correct. Annie Oakley was kind of the star of that show, honestly, to be honest with you. And last but not least, Mac and Cheese. Absolutely, Mac and Cheese. This morning, we're going to talk about a partnership. It's King Jehoshaphat and nobody knows, huh? It could be King Jehoshaphat. I've heard it pronounced both ways, but King Jehoshaphat and King Ahab. This morning, we're going to look at partnerships, and uh, we're just going to dive into a story this morning from the Old Testament kings. Uh, We have buddy movies, right? We have power couples. We have dynamic duos, right? And every good Western, a cowboy has a sidekick. He's got somebody who rides with him. And so we're going to look at how those partnerships are formed. We're going to look at how those partnerships can go wrong and how important they actually are. So there are some things that you just can't do on your own. You need someone else if you're going to accomplish them. So you need someone to ride with, and you've got to be careful who you ride with in this life. So we're going to jump into the scriptures this morning. If you've got a Bible, open it up to Second Chronicles chapter 20. If you've got sermon notes, I'm going to give you much of the scripture, but not all, because there's no way possible. But we are going to look at another king of Judah. This is King Asa's son. Last week, Glenn was talking about King Asa, and he told us about the king who walked with God until he stopped walking with God, and then he died with bad feet. Remember that? That was out on the lawn last week if you weren't here. And so in Second Chronicles 17.1, we see up on the screen there, when Asa died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then who? Jehoshaphat, Asa's son, became the next king. Now, I want to give you a little history to remind you where we've come from. Israel has become a divided kingdom. 
Israel and Judah have separated into two territories, right? And up in the north is Israel with ten, uh, ten of the tribes, and they have their own king. And down below is Judah, the southernmost part, and they have their own king. And that king is King Jehoshaphat or King Jehoshaphat. And last week, Glenn took us through the life of King Asa, and he kept referring back to Proverbs 3, 5. And he summed up King Asa's life with that, with that verse that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And we saw that King Asa did just fine when he was trusting in the Lord. But when he started to lean on his own understanding, uh, when he started to lean on his own resources, when he started trusting his own gut feeling, things went bad for him and Judah. So I have a verse like that this morning that I want you to see as a theme verse for the life of King Jehoshaphat. And here's what it is. It's out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says this, bad company corrupts what? Highlight, underline, circle. That passage. Bad company corrupts what? Good character. And then it says, think carefully about what is right. So, it is story time. Are you guys ready for a story? I'm going to tell you a story, and I'm going to try and tell you the whole story of King Jehoshaphat in one sermon. So buckle up. In about 20 minutes, I am going to try and cover three chapters of Scripture. I love preaching the Old Testament, especially obscure kings and prophets, because I can just make stuff up, and nobody knows if it's true or not. I just make stuff up. You, no, you can go back and check out uh, everything that I say and read the story for yourself. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 17 through 20. And you can call me out on anything I leave out. Um, but let's jump into it. Here we go. The first thing you're going to see in this story is a good king gets off to a good start. This is a good king who gets off to a good start. And we will jump right into the scriptures. It says... The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father's what? Early years. And did not worship the images of Baal. He sought his father's God and obeyed his what? His commands. Instead of following the evil practices of the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom. So the Lord established Jehoshaphat's control over the kingdom of what? Judah. They're in the bottom kingdom. All the people of Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat. So he became very and highly what? Highly esteemed. He was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. He removed the pagan shrines and the Asherah poles from Judah. So Jehoshaphat is off to a raging start. His first hundred days in office, he is killing it, okay? He has, uh, actually, they've raised taxes and nobody seems to care. They're just paying the taxes. Like, yeah, give it to Jehoshaphat, right? His approval rating is at an all-time high. He's taking down pagan shrines and he's cutting down Asherah poles. Check what else he's going to do. He sends out the government officials, and get this, they're teaching God's word out in the kingdom. So he sends out these government officials teaching God's word. Listen to the scripture as it continues. In the third year of his reign, Jehoshaphat sent his officials to teach in all the towns of Judah. These officials included Ben-Hail, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathaniel, and Micaiah. They took copies of what? The book of the law of the Lord and traveled around through all the towns of Judah teaching the people. Then the what? 
Fear of the Lord fell over all the surrounding kingdoms so that none of them wanted to declare war on Jehoshaphat. This would be like if we elected somebody new in America and the first thing they did when they got into office was they said, you know what? We are going to have a Bible class in every school K through 12 starting tomorrow. And, then, and they went out and did that. Yeah, that would be great. I don't know if it's happening, but it would be great. He, if he, at every town hall meeting, they would start with a Bible lecture. At every session of Congress, right, they would have a, uh, a, a prayer meeting before they began all of it. I'm, I'm not talking about a little prayer. I'm talking about a prayer meeting, right? Every, every business, before they opened their doors, would have to get down and, and pray and ask God's blessing on that day and that they would do right by their customers and, their, and they would honor God in everything that they do. That's what it would look like. There was no separation between church and state in this, in this environment. Do we all understand each other? That's what it looked like. And get this. They prospered. They prospered, man. And, and the surrounding kingdoms did not dare to rise up against Judah. But this is where we see the story take a little turn and we get into it today because a, a good king can make some bad decisions. Good people make bad decisions, amen? It happens, right? Good people who are good at heart, and you think, wow, that is out of character for you, can make some bad decisions. And we are going to see that Jehoshaphat does that, and it starts with a bad partnership. Check out this story uh, from the life of King Jehoshaphat. It says, Jehoshaphat enjoyed great riches and high esteem, and he made an alliance with who? Ahab. Of where? Northern Kingdom. By having his son marry Ahab's daughter. A few years later, he went to Samaria to visit Ahab, who prepared a what? A great banquet for him and his officials. They butchered great numbers of sheep and goats and cattle for the feast. Then Ahab, there's an important word there, what? He enticed, you may want to circle that word, Jehoshaphat to join forces with him and recover Ramoth Gilead. Will you go with me to Ramoth Gilead, King Ahab of Israel asked King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Jehoshaphat replied, why of course, you and I are as one and my troops are your troops. We will certainly join you in battle. Then Jehoshaphat added, but first let's find out what the Lord says. So let's talk about King Ahab. Anybody remember King Ahab from the Bible? King Ahab is a bad dude. Everybody say bad dude. He's a bad dude. He is not a good dude. King Ahab was one of those guys that it was written about him in scripture, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any before him, okay? He was a bad king. He, uh, he, uh, he was a really bad person, honestly, actually. Ahab was married to Jezebel. Do you remember this story? Ahab and Jezebel. And uh, they basically started or, or ignited all of the Baal worship and Asherah worship in the kingdom. And they harassed and threatened the prophet Elijah. If you remember the contest on Mount Car- Carmel where he called down fire, that was between the prophets of Baal, which were Ahab's dude, and then Elijah standing alone. And then he, you know, he was, and then Jezebel threatened his life, and Elijah had to run for his life life. And so uh, King Ahab had a guy killed because next door to his palace, he had a nice garden. And he said, I want your garden. Let me buy your garden. The guy said no. And he had him killed so he could get his garden. Okay. This actually, he had Jezebel killed him. He had his wife do it, but it, it was, he's a bad dude. He is a bad dude. This is a bad dude. So Ahab gets Jehoshaphat some barbecue. How many people like good barbecue? Oh man. 
He gets him some barbecue, and my guess is there were a few cocktails involved. Anybody else know what I'm talking about here? So they're barbecuing, and they're drinking a few cocktails, and at some point, I think the conversation went like this. You know what, man? I love you, man. You're like, you're like one of my best friends. We should, you know what? We should totally go to war together. We should go to war together. That's a great idea. Let's go to war together. And so they decide to go to war together. And, and, and it's, a, it's a bad king. He's aligning with a bad king. It's a bad idea, and it's a bad decision, and this is a bad partnership. But I love this. In verse 4, you see in one little moment of clarity, Jehoshaphat says, hey, wait a second. Maybe we should ask the Lord about this. Let's ask the Lord about this. And so they said, good idea. And this is where the story gets interesting. This is just where it gets interesting. So we're going to see both Ahab and Jehoshaphat move forward. But they move forward on this idea to go to war, ignoring the warnings. They're just ignoring the warnings that are in front of them. I don't know how many of you have done that where you know it's a bad idea and the warnings are there, but you just go forward anyway. So Ahab summons 400 of his prophets. These are his guys. And he says, should we go to war? And surprise, surprise, Ahab's prophets all say, yes, let's go to war. Victory is yours. Go and get it. But Jehoshaphat says, and I love this, he says, hey, isn't there even one prophet of the Lord here that we can ask? Ask him. And Ahab says, well, there's this one guy. This guy, though, is a pain in my royal robes. I'm telling you right now. This guy, I hate him. He never prophesies anything but trouble for me. So they bring in this prophet, Micaiah is his name. Now, in the meantime, one of the leading prophets of Ahab is a guy by the name of Zedekiah. Zedekiah has made some iron horns, and he's running around prophesying, saying, we will gore them, we will gore the Arameans like we have these iron horns. And, and he's prophesying, then he's getting all the attention. He, I don't know, he's a metal worker. I guess he, he sold some stuff on Pinterest. I don't know what, what, what the deal is. So he has this, this horn, and he does that. Justin Micaiah the prophet comes in and listen to what happens next all the other prophets Ahab's prophets agreed what did they say yes they said let's go up to Ramoth Gilead and be victorious for the Lord will give the king victory meanwhile the messenger who went to get Micaiah said to him look look all of the prophets are promising victory for the king be sure that you agree with them and promise success. But Micaiah replied, as sure as the Lord lives, I will say only what my God says. That's all I'm gonna say. And when Micaiah arrived before the king, Ahab asked him, Micaiah, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or should I hold back? And Micaiah replied, how? Sarcastically, Yes, go on up. I'll be victorious for you will have victory over them. My wife says that I'm not allowed to be sarcastic. Anybody else have this rule in your house? Sarcasm is off limits and then it's in the Bible so I think I should be able to be sarcastic. Anybody else? Right? That's how sarcasm works. Sarcasm is like slapping somebody in the face but with words. That's how it works, all right? Micaiah gives that to the king. And, and I, I love this about it, but the king, the king Ahab gets sarcasm. He knows sarcasm, so he immediately says back to him, he says, how many times do I have to tell you when you're speaking for the Lord, you can only speak truth to me? 
So Micaiah tells him the prophecy. And here's the prophecy. He says, I had this vision, and all of Israel is scattered, and their master has been killed. That's Ahab. And, and Ahab immediately says, see, I told you, this guy's a punk. He, know, he, always, he always prophesies against me. He's a punk. And so Micaiah goes on to tell this story of how these 400 prophets have a lying spirit within them. And the Lord has pronounced, Micaiah's, or, uh, pronounced Ahab's doom. So just then, Zedekiah, iron horn boy, comes back into the picture. And he comes up to my, Micaiah and he Actually, I need a volunteer for this. Is there anyone? There's Ian. Get up here, Ian. All right. Ian, come on up here. So he, he comes in, and he walks up to the front, and he, there you go. That's for you, and that's for me. All right, so I'll be Micaiah, and you be Zedek. No, no. You be Micaiah, and I'll be, you know what? Let's just, uh, let's Rochambeau for it, okay? Ready? Two out of three. All right, here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, yes. <laughs> and Zedekiah says, actually, that was me. It's my line. And it's going to go up on the screen very soon. There it is. He says, since when did the Spirit of the Lord leave me to speak to you? All right. He slaps him across the face. And he says, when did the Spirit of the Lord leave me to speak to you? By the way, when somebody says, uh, expect the unexpected, slap them in the face. Say, hey, you didn't expect that, did you? This is in the Bible, folks. That's how the story went down. Micaiah, and then Micaiah basically says back to Zedekiah, he says, hey, you're going to find out soon enough. When you're hiding in some secret room, you're going to find out when he started speaking to me. Mark my words. Mark my words. So this is what happens next. They arrest Micaiah, they throw him into jail, and, they, the, and King Ahab says, feed him nothing but water and bread until I return safely from the war. And Micaiah, in a classic comeback set, goes, hey, if you return safely from the war, then I was wrong and the Lord did not speak to me. And then he says, mark my words. Mark my words. See what happens. So get this. King Ahab and Jehoshaphat go to war. After this whole little thing in front of all these prophets, they still go to war together and, and, uh, and they have this clear warning, but stupid is as stupid does. That's how it works. And so they go to war together. So they get caught in a losing battle. Here's what happens. They get caught in a losing battle. So Ahab, it says in the scriptures, so Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah led their armies against Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, as we go into battle, I will disguise myself so no one will recognize me. But you wear what? Your royal robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. Now after all of that prophesying, This is the solution that they come up with, right? I'll tell you what. You dress up like the king, and I'm just going to dress up like a regular soldier, and they'll never know 
that I, oh wow, Steve Newman has a tight neck. They'll never, can you imagine, don't you think there should be a test before you're a king? Anybody think that's a good idea? And somehow Jehoshaphat goes along with this. Good idea. You dress up like a normal soldier and I'll be the only one out there looking like a king. What a great idea. So can you imagine what happened? The battle begins. The people go looking for the king. In fact, the king of Aram says, don't bother with anybody else. Just kill the king of Israel. They mistake Jehoshaphat in his royal robes for the king of Israel. And, and basically they go after him. Now, uh, the Jehoshaphat calls out to the Lord, and the Lord actually rescues him. Um, But check it out. Meanwhile, an Aramean soldier, however, randomly shot an arrow at the Israelite troops. A random arrow, a random, (laughs) a random arrow comes in. Oh, It's a random arrow. He's, oh, there it is. A random arrow comes in and catches Ahab between the armor, it says in the scriptures. And he's propped up, but he's, he's dying. Can you imagine Ahab? It says, Ahab groaned to the driver of the chariot, I'm badly wounded. Can you imagine Ahab? Oh, come on. Right? The battle raged all that day, and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot Facing the Arameans, but in the evening, just as the sun was setting, he died. So that's the story of King Ahab. And somewhere in jail, the prophet Micaiah was thinking, I tried to tell you, I tried to tell you. Get this, this is how it continues on. He goes home, King Jehoshaphat of Judah arrived safely at home in Jerusalem, and Jehu, son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him. Why should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? He asked the king. Because you have, what you have done, the Lord is what? The Lord is what? Very angry with you. Even so, there is what? There is some good in you, for you have removed the Asherah poles throughout the kingdom, throughout the land, and you have committed to yourself to seeking God. I don't know why, but as I've been preparing this message and thinking about this, that line has stuck with me. The Lord is very angry with you, even so there is some good in you. I don't know why it jumps out at me this week, but it does. You ever had that time in your life? That season in your life where you did something stupid, where you, you went your own way, you, you, I have done some things, I have said some things, I have done some stupid things, I have done some ungodly things, and I'm sure the Lord probably looked at me and said, come on, Steve, really? You don't know by now, like you don't, you know exactly what I wanted from you, Steve. And I can imagine him looking at me as a heavenly father, as a disappointed heavenly father, maybe even as an angry father and saying, come on, Steve. But then in that phrase it says, even so. We see God's grace. Even so, there is some good in you. And we're going to see that good comes back out because a good king makes a comeback. This good king makes a comeback. 
So Jehoshaphat goes back to Jerusalem to his home. And he goes back to encouraging the people to following God. And he's learned his lesson. He's back to being a good king. And then from out of the blue, this happens. After this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Meunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazazan Tamar. This was another name for En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was what? Terrified by this news. And begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin what? There began fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. This time Jehoshaphat doesn't need to consult the prophets. This time uh, Jehoshaphat is not going into battle. The battle's coming to him. Right? He didn't ask for it. This time he didn't do anything to deserve it. This time he didn't do anything to deserve it. Right? But the troops are already coming and there's no time to prepare. There's, they're already marching on him and he has no idea what to do. So in desperation, he calls upon the Lord and they pray and they fast. They pray and they fast and they submit to the Lord. And Jehoshaphat steps up before the community of God and he, and he, he calls out to God. And you can read this prayer if you want to write this in your margins. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 5, he, he does this large prayer when he speaks to the people. But I want you to see how it ends. It ends with this line. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? Won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Now, let me ask you a question. You ever been there? Whatever's coming came out of left field. You didn't expect it. You didn't do anything to deserve it just showed up like an Amazon Prime package. You have no idea. Is that today? I didn't know I ordered that. Right? But it came, and you're not even sure what to do about it. What do I do even right now? Let me tell you something. In those moments, the Lord is waiting. He's waiting there for you, and, he, and, and maybe that's you today. Maybe you just barely limped in here today, and you're just looking for a little bit of hope today. Let me give you a little bit of hope. Even if you've screwed up, even if you've got some bad partnerships in your past, even if right this moment the world is bearing down on you and you've got no idea what to do, God is waiting, and you can cry out to him, and he will hear, and he will meet you in that. Listen to what happens. Let me summarize the battle for you. Uh, uh, first of all, a prophet comes up from the crowd after, after Jehoshaphat gives a speech and he says, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, it's God's and you will not even need to fight. And again, this is where the story gets interesting. Jehoshaphat sends out the troops to fight, but instead of sending the infantry, instead of sending the artillery, instead of sending the cavalry, he sends out the marching band and the choir. Anybody else question that from a military standpoint? So, so Jehoshaphat says, well, if God said we're not even going to have to fight, I'm going to send the marching band and the choir out in front. And so, I, I don't know about you, the, where's our choir? Calvin, you're going to be leading the way. Right? I don't know about you, but if I get those marching orders, I'm like, who? What? Me? First? 
I don't know how you line up for that, but they're marching towards the enemy with, I don't know, like a tuba would feel okay because there's a lot of metal, but like a flute, I don't want that gig. You know what I'm talking about? You're going towards, I don't know why, but for me, I picture it as a boy band doing some sort of a choreographed dance. Oh, 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 oh. No? They're marching towards the enemy, singing praise to God, singing songs of thanksgiving to God. And get this, the moment they start singing, the moment they start singing, the enemy turns on themselves and they take each other out. Every last one. Every last one. And, and, and they, by the time they get up to where the battle has taken place, right, the battle's over. All that's left is to collect all the military stuff and, and, and plunder. And they called it the Valley of Blessing. So I want you to see this in the scripture. The next part of it goes like this. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemy of Israel, the what? The fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace. For his God had given him rest on every side. Now get this. A few verses later, we get a summary of King Jehoshaphat's life. Here's the summary of King Jehoshaphat's life. In verse 32, it says, Jehoshaphat was a what? He was a good king. Following the ways of his father Asa. And he did what was what? Pleasing in the Lord's sight. Despite his missteps, despite these bad partnership he was a good king, and he followed in his king's footsteps. He turned his people towards the, the Lord. He tore down the shrines to Baal and, and cut down the Asherah poles, right? And I would love, I don't know about you, but if that verse was said about me, I would go to my grave very happy. Steve, he was a good, he was a good man. He was a good husband. He was a good father. He was a good pastor. He was a good friend. Right? He had his missteps, but, but he was a good guy. And he followed the Lord. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. The end. Except that wasn't the end. Just a few verses later, and this is odd to me, but a few, after we've summed up his life, a few verses later, there's one word, and that one word goes like this, however. I do not want a however attached to my life. Do you want a however attached to your life? It says, however, he failed to remove all the pagan shrines and the people never fully committed to themselves to follow the God and their ancestors. And then there's this one last story. I don't even understand why it's in the Bible, but there's this one last story and it sort of highlights the point today. So listen to this. As we hear the last of Jehoshaphat, we see a good king gets caught in another bad partnership. He just gets caught in this other bad partnership. And at the very end of the story of King Jehoshaphat, it says this. Sometime later, King Jehoshaphat of Judah made an alliance with King Ahaziah of Israel. New king in Israel. Ahab's dead. Who was what? Very wicked. Together they built a fleet of trading ships at the port of Izion Geber. And Elazon, the son of Dadorovahu, from Marasha. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing any of these right. So prophesied against Jehoshaphat. He said, because you have allied yourself with the king Ahaziah, the Lord will what? He's going to destroy your work. And then, so the ships met with disaster and never put out to sea. And that's the end of the story. 
which highlights for me, actually, it leads me to, so what, Steve, what do I do with this story? What do I do with this crazy story about Jehoshaphat? Well, I want to remind you of that verse that I talked about in the beginning. And it says, bad company corrupts what? Bad company corrupts good character. How do we apply this to our lives? How do we, first of all, never underestimate the power of the choir, first of all, right? It's all about the choir. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But what stands out to me is this idea of bad company corrupts good character. And it leads me to this idea of you've got to be careful who you ride with. Be careful who you ride with. Um, There are three powerful relationships in your life that you need to choose very carefully. And here's, here's the first one. The first one is this. You have got to choose carefully a faithful spouse. I have said this for years. It is the second most important decision you will make in your life is who you choose to marry. The first and most important decision you will make in your life is to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and make him the Lord of your life and walk with him. But the second most important decision you will make Because you don't get to choose the family you're born into. You know that, right? But you do get to choose the family you're going to make. And it starts with the person that you walk down the aisle with. A faithful spouse. Now, when I say a faithful spouse, I'm not talking about somebody who won't cheat on you. I hope that's true, that they won't cheat on you. But what I actually mean is someone who is faithful to God. A disciple of Jesus Christ. Someone who will walk with God while walking alongside you in this life. I got one more quiz of a famous cowboy duo. How many people know this? Roy Rogers and Dale Evans. Roy Rogers and Dale Evans. Let me tell you a story about Roy Rogers and Dale Evans. Dale Evans was a 16-year-old divorced single parent. She was pursuing a music career in Memphis, Tennessee. She was working with a local radio station, and she took the name Dale Evans. Roy Rogers first met Dale Evans on the set of a movie, The Cowboy and the Senorita, in 1944. And it wasn't long until they ended up getting married. And they were married on New Year's Eve, 1947. Uh, Evans and Roy Rogers went on to star in hundreds of, well, 30 or more movies. and, And they wrote 200 or more songs. And they were constant companions, both on screen and off screen. Dale rode her trusty steed. Anybody know the name of her? Buttermilk. Is it buttercup or buttermilk? I have buttermilk written down. And Roy Rogers' horse was? Trigger. They worked together on stage and, and uh, and they lived out this life. They were married for 51 years. 51 years they were married. And they held their family to a high moral standard, always following the Lord. In fact, Dale Evans was recorded as saying over and over again, she said, your life is the only Bible that some people will ever read. Who you choose to walk through this life with is so important. In Proverbs 31, it says, who can find... A virtuous and capable wife. She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her. And she will greatly, what? Enrich his life. She brings him, what? Good and not harm. All the days of her life. 
I went looking throughout Scripture for something that said the same thing about men. I couldn't find it. I don't know if that means that we're a dime a dozen or what. Ladies, you're valuable. But the truth of the matter is, is that decision is a powerful decision in your life, and you need to make it carefully. Someone who is walking with the Lord. Another one is this. Honest business partners. Honest business partners. I read this this week. This is a reality check. Do you know that the divorce rate for business partners is 80%? 80% of business partners don't finish together. 80% of it's true for individuals and for corporations that merge. 80% of them, it doesn't end well. And we've got tons of those in our history that we know about, right? When I say Hewlett Packard, do you know that there was a Hewlett and a Packard? Like when I say uh, Ben and Jerry, do you know there was a Ben and a Jerry? These partnerships are all throughout the world. Procter and Gamble, those were two guys, Procter and Gamble. Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak at Apple Computer, these are partnerships. And I can't help but think of the ones that end badly. I can't help but think about Facebook. If anyone saw the movie The Social Network a few years ago, you saw the drama between the two founders of Facebook, Eduardo Sovereign and, and Mark Zuckerberg. And by the end of the movie, they had become at such odds that Mark Zuckerberg had diluted Saverin's shares from 34% of the company down to almost nothing. It ended super poorly. And we go into work all the time. Do you know you'll spend a third of your life at work? One third of your life you will spend at work. Many of you will spend more time at work than you will even with your spouse or your kids. It's true. Like actual time. Not sleeping, but actual time. Um, and you have got to choose those partnerships carefully. You've got to choose the people that you are going to work with carefully. You don't get to choose all the people you work with. I get it. I know that's true. But you have got to choose people who are full of integrity and honesty. And if at all possible, find Jesus followers that you will work with. People who won't ask you to compromise your character, to lie, to cheat, or to steal. Make sure you can honor God where you work. It says this in the scriptures says this and there you go. Don't team up with those who are what? How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? The idea is that we would work together with people that we know will spur us on towards good works and towards God. Can I tell you an honest truth between you and me? Um, the only reason that I'm at this church right now, the only reason that I'm at this church is because I knew I could trust Glenn Barnes. I knew I could trust him. When I come out of a, of, a, of a church setting where I was a lead pastor for over 15 years and I thought, how am I going to go into another place and, and work with somebody? And not, I knew I could trust Glenn Barnes and so I came here and God has honored that because we don't agree on everything. Do you know that? Me and Glenn don't agree on everything. When something comes up, Glenn goes, we should do this. And I go, you're crazy. But I know I can trust him. And I, know, and I know he's walking with God, and I am more than willing to walk alongside him. You've got to look for that in your business partnerships. If you're thinking about going into business, you've got to look for that in the people you work with. And here's the last one. We need some godly friendships. You need some godly friendships. Proverbs 12, 26 says this. The godly give what? Good advice to their friends, and the wicked do what? Lead them astray. I'm sure, how many people have heard this, heard this phrase? Show me your friends and I'll show you your, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you what's waiting for you. 
Show me the people that you align with, the people that you, are, that you are spending time with, that you are working with, that you are playing with, and I will show you your future because bad company corrupts good character. How many people know we all have that one friend? Everybody nod. We have that one, you know the one friend that gets us into trouble? Everybody nod. How many people know they got that one friend? If you don't know that one friend, you're probably that friend. Okay, just so you understand. We all have that one friend that we get into trouble with. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, is that it, in Proverbs 13, 20, it says this. Walk with the wise and become. Associate with fools and get in. That is true as true can be. I've been telling it to high school kids forever. If you don't, if you don't choose your friends well, you're going to be in trouble. And I am not telling you to cut people out of your life. Listen to me closely. I'm not telling you to cut people out of your life. We are all a work in progress. We are all unfinished. And God has you strategically in the lives of people that he wants you to reach. But I am telling you this, and if you learn nothing else from the life of King Jehoshaphat, learn this. The people that you most closely associate with, the people that are the most influential relationships in your life, you need God-fearing, God-following people, and you get to choose who those people are. But if you don't choose carefully... I guarantee you they will lead you down a path you do not want to end up with. You'll end up with a however in your story. And you won't end up with he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. That's the story of King Jehoshaphat. Would you pray with me? God, I just thank you for these stories in the the Bible, God. The way that you have made your word true. and And it just cuts into our very life, God. I know that there are people who are sitting here today, God, who are thinking about some of those relationships in their lives. That maybe they're already in a bad partnership and they're thinking, but how do I get out of this bad partnership? God, I pray that you would give them your wisdom, that you would show them how to uh, emphasize the good people in their lives, the godly people in their lives who will walk with them and, and guide them and grow them in holiness, God. I pray, Father, for us that we would be those kind of partners to others, that we would understand that our godliness, that our walk with you affects the way that other people live their lives. God, I pray that you would move in us and that you would cause us to be the kind of people that lead other people closer to you and to your kingdom kingdom father not away from you and towards destruction and ruin we pray these things in your son jesus name amen